This is the 10,000 Depositions Later podcast, episode 67. I'm Jim Garrity. Today's episode, do deposition subpoenas expire? How's everybody doing? I hope you're having a great week. And before we get into today's episode, I wanted to tell you that I've been able to check off a very important item off my bucket list. What was it? I've always wanted to run a Google search that brought back exactly one result. It's nearly impossible. An article in the magazine Fast Company, which reported on the preposterously large number of results that the search engines retrieve, said that when its writers tried to get the smallest possible results, it still could only get down to around 4,000 search results. And it did so incredibly with the following search term. Lobster, prism, infinity, zebra, banana, Salem, pilgrim, elephant, frisbee, four loco, stapler, and quarter. So even with those random words in a single search, they couldn't get below about 3,800 results. So what was the query that we ran that allowed us to get exactly one result on Google? It was, quote, do deposition subpoenas expire? The one result was posted by someone on the attorney lead generation website, avo.com. Someone did post an answer, but not a terribly helpful one and without any citation to authority. So I think we can beat that. Again, the question for today is, do deposition subpoenas expire at some point? Well, the short answer is no. The federal rule and most state rules impose no expiration date on subpoenas served on a deposition witness. Now, of course, if this issue comes up in one of your cases, be sure to check your rules again and be sure to check your state statutes as well. There may be provisions that apply to subpoenas. Connecticut, for example, has a statute, 52-144, that provides for the official form of a subpoena and commands witnesses to appear, quote, within 60 days hereof. But that's the exception and not the rule. So what do courts say about this? Well, here's what I'd tell you. First, there are precious few decisions on point. We've got 10 in the show notes for you today, and those 10 cases fall into two categories. In the first group are cases where this issue came up almost as an aside, and so the courts disposed of the issue without seriously addressing it or citing any authority for how to handle it. In the second group in the show notes are cases where the courts did specifically address the issue whether a deposition subpoena has a specific expiration date, and those courts uniformly said no, it doesn't, that the commanding power of the subpoena does not expire just because the stated date for the deposition has passed. So again, courts that had this pop up as kind of a nuisance issue disposed of it in a nuisance kind of way, a way that kind of struck me as convenient to the outcome that the court wanted to reach anyway, because there was simply no serious effort in those decisions to discuss this or to cite authority for support. Courts that did take the issue head on uniformly said the subpoenas remain viable after the stated date of the mandatory appearance. Now, in that first group, you'll see in the show notes, the Guild Associates case, where the court said that because the date for deposition had passed by the time the court ruled on a motion to quash the subpoena, the matter was now moot. So that federal court in Ohio treated the deposition date on the subpoena as kind of like the drink-by date on a milk carton. No citation authority and really just addressed in passing on the way to another result. Also in that first group, 
you'll see the HEI resources case where a court said the exact opposite. It said that a dispute over a subpoena was not moot just because the date for compliance had passed. Again, another decision addressed almost on a drive-by basis this issue without any citation to authority. So similar situation in both the Guild Associates case and in the HEI resources case with the courts reaching exact opposite results. These are cases where it appeared the courts were brushing this issue aside with no intention to seriously address it. So exactly zero citations to support those rulings and predictably conflicting results. In the second camp are decisions like the Clark case, the Hospman case, H-O-S-P-M-A-N, and the Shulton case, where the courts did squarely address this issue. In other words, whether a deposition subpoena expires just because the date has passed, with the courts aggressively saying, no, it doesn't. And in those decisions, the courts cited authority for their proposition. In fact, in the January 2021 Clark decision, the court held that the deposition subpoena remained enforceable, even though the subpoena had been issued a year and a half earlier in June of 2019. So if this issue comes up in one of your cases, you're definitely going to want to take a look at the Shulton case because that's the one that contains the most analysis and citations to other authorities, as well as the Clark and the Hospman cases. All right, some practice pointers before we wrap up. If you're preparing deposition subpoenas for service, add language to your subpoena that makes it clear the stated date is the currently planned date, but that the stated date and time is subject to change that the witness will be notified if the deposition is postponed and rescheduled, but that the witness remains bound by the subpoena until the deposition is completed or the subpoena is withdrawn by the issuing party. Having an exact date and time without any modifying language indicating that the date is fluid and that your subpoena remains enforceable almost invites argument against you by the witness or the opposing parties that the subpoena was only valid for the precise date and time listed. Frankly, I think we've all been conditioned unknowingly as consumers to think of the eat by, the drink by dates as actual expiration dates following which the product is no longer any good. And I think that kind of unconscious conditioning has spilled over into subpoenas as a product with an expiration date. And frankly, you're far more likely to get a court to agree with you and to enforce your subpoena without having to go to the hassle of reserving a witness if you just add the language I suggested in your subpoena. I know many deposition notices say that the examination of the noticed witness will continue from day to day until completed, but that's the deposition notice. It's the subpoena that compels the witness's appearance, particularly with non-parties. And some lawyers don't even serve the deposition notice on third-party deponents, so they wouldn't see that language anyway. So put that in your deposition subpoenas. The standard subpoena in a federal case, Form AO88A, for whatever reason, revised in late 2020, is titled Subpoena to Testify at a Deposition in a Civil Case. And it says only the following, quote, you are commanded to appear at the time, date, and place set forth below to testify in deposition to be taken in this civil action, close quote. Now, here's what I suggest you do, and I'm going to read that standard language from the federal subpoena again, and then continue with the language I think you should add. So the federal subpoena says, uh, you are commanded to appear at the time, date, and place set forth below to testify in deposition to be taken in this civil action. 
I say after the word civil action, add the following. You are hereby notified that the stated date and time is subject to change, period. If your deposition is rescheduled, you will be informed of the new date and time. However, the subpoena remains in force and binds you to appear for deposition until you have completed your testimony or until the subpoena is withdrawn by the issuing party." Close quote. Very hard for an adversary to make a compelling argument or a witness that subpoenas with this language are enforceable only on the original date. I think that will get you where you need to go. All right, that's it for today's podcast. I very much appreciate you taking the time to listen as always. And be sure to check out the book on which this podcast is based, 10,000 Depositions Later, the premier litigation guide for superior deposition practice, now in its third edition at 450 pages and available on Amazon and just about everywhere else you get your books. I'll talk to you soon.